You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, Goat Flippers? This is your host, Lurk. Thanks for checking out the best metal and hardcore podcast on the internet. This is Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. And you might be wondering to yourself, why am I hearing this episode so early in the week? Well, that's because I'm trying something different, and this intro is going to be different too. So buckle up and let's get going. First things first, let's do a little recap of the top five stories on lambgoat.com from last week. Starting off at number one, and the biggest story by far in views for the week would be the rumored tour between the Black Dahlia Murder, After the Burial, and Carniflex. The New York venue Irving Plaza posted a graphic this week that had a long list of shows that were upcoming and... And those three bands happened to be playing Sunday, October 10th, which got people thinking there's a tour rumored. Well, we did some digging and it does actually turn out that a five week North American tour will apparently kick off in September in the Midwest and wrap up somewhere near New York around October 10th. Coming in at number two is the Lollapalooza 2021 lineup announcement. That will be kicking off on July 29th of this year, obviously, through August 1st in Grand Park, Chicago, Illinois. Now, it is true most of the lineup isn't really heavy music at all, but the notable bands would be Foo Fighters, Jimmy Eat World, and of course, a personal favorite of mine, Limp Bizkit. Story number three only came in a couple views below story number two. The heavy music multi-night cruise shiprocked will be back in 2022. The Carnival-based cruise liner will ship off from Galveston, Texas, starting January 22nd and come back on January 27th. Along the way, you can hit up stops like Costa Maya, Cozumel, and some other places in the Caribbean. Headliners Lamb of God and I Prevail will play along with 68, He Is Legend, Motionless and White, P.O.D., Wage War, Seven Dust, and many more. Honestly, this has been something I kind of have been wanting to check out over the last couple of years. Uh, this is my favorite lineup, but it's something that I've you know kind of been intrigued by. Let me know if you've ever done something like that or if you're looking forward to trying it for the first time. Coming in at number four, we have Russian deathcore band Slaughter to Prevail releasing a new single this week, Baby Yaga. You can head over to lambgoat.com and watch the official music video. Baby Yaga is a single off of the forthcoming album Costolome? Costolome? Costolome. I guess that's how you say it, which will be released on August 13th. And lastly, the fifth most viewed story from Lambgoat.com this past week, Slipknot's Clown to release Clown Cannabis. That's right, Sean is getting into the weed game, so make sure you puff on that, I guess. Hope you enjoyed those top five articles from Lambgoat.com. Now I'm going to give you the album releases that are dropping this week. Bear with me, because if you've listened to this podcast, you already know that I love to butcher names and titles of all sorts of things, so let's go ahead and try this out. So dropping this week of May 20th, 28th, we have Ardark, Aluval, Angst Krig, Burning Witches, Eminence, Ghastly, Chandra, Noctul, Of Mice and Men, Portal, Storm Ruler, Unfathomable, Ruination, and Departed. For more on any of those albums, head over to lambgoat.com and you can check out the upcoming releases page. Don't forget, you can stay up to date with Lambgoat on social media. You can give them a like on Facebook. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Lambgoat. Head over to Lambgoat's YouTube page and you can watch all of these podcasts in video format as well as check out some of our other Lambgoat content. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and that alert bell so you're always notified when new content is uploaded. And you can always follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. That is L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. Whether this is your first time checking out the show or you are a returning listener, if you dig the content we're doing here on the Van Flip Podcast, feel free to give us a rating or a review on whatever platform you are currently listening to us on. If you can subscribe or follow the podcast on that platform, do so as well so you're notified when we release new episodes. And if you really want to be a boss, go ahead and share us on your social media. Tell your friends you're listening to the Van Flip Podcast. It greatly helps us out with the algorithm as well as our reach. Well, Goat Flippers, tell me what you thought about that intro. That's a new thing that I'm working with. Uh, You know, I think it went pretty well. 
but it's up to you. Uh, is it? I don't know. I'll do whatever I want, I guess. If you missed any of those links, these are all in the description, in the show notes, whatever you want to call it. You can follow Lamgo. You can follow me. You can follow our guest on there as well. So definitely check that out before, after, or during the show. Oddly enough, as most of you people know, I am a Rays fan. If you follow me on Twitter or, or this podcast, I have assumed. But I connected with this week's guest, Frank from Hatebreed, on the Instagram of the Tampa Bay Rays. Turns out he himself is also a diehard Rays fan. So we connected on that and we talked about it on the podcast. But I also want to shout them out because they are on a 10-game winning streak. So take that AL East, uh, even though you know all the other teams in the AL East other than the Orioles are doing very well. So with that being said, let's go ahead and roll on into the show. Oh, yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is uh Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is good everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the show. I am joined by Frank. Novinik, I we just went over that, and I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Uh, guitar player for Hatebreed. Welcome to the show, Frank. How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, how you been holding up here in Florida? You're another Florida resident, so how's it been for you? I mean, without making anybody mad, uh, we're a little <laughs> loose. We're a little loose here compared to most states, so uh, it helps that we have warm weather all year. So um, you know. Uh, we're doing the things we need to do to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, fortunately, like I said, for us, we were able to, to be outside all year and things like that. So, yeah, I will say, uh, you know, it does, um, it does feel weird doing this podcast and I talk to other people outside of Florida all the time on it, especially in the industry and how they're dealing with, you know, um, how their state's handling it or where they're at and the, what, what country they're in, yada, yada, yada. And it's just been so different from what I've experienced personally, but you're someone who's experienced almost the same experience as I have. Cause you're a Florida, you know, you live in Florida as well. So it is this whole time. It's just been very strange and I can see why people get upset, especially in our industry, because obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of money and a lot of income for a lot of people comes from, live entertainment and touring and everything like that. So everyone wants to get back to that, but it's just, it's crazy to see things from the Floridian perspective of stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, through all of this, I've just, for the most part, avoided social media for, you know, obvious reasons. And, you know, everybody has their take and, you know, long before the pandemic, that's how it works with social media. Everybody has, a microphone and a platform to speak on. So, um, seen a lot of nasty things on there and, uh, you know, just try to live my life down here. I never get caught up in that. And, uh, just, I'm more than anything, like to have fun in my life. And, uh, I just am always doing things for the most part that I don't mind doing. And, you know, even if it is work, I just try to have a, a better attitude about it. So it all comes into play with being down here and, being able to be outside and all that. It's, you know, I guess there's some light at the end of the tunnel now and things are starting to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, hopefully we, we come out of it stronger. So, yeah. And you guys are scheduled to do a couple things this year as well, right? Later in the year. Yeah. I, I think the next, I know that there's a lot of things that are up in the air and there's also a couple festivals that in September, uh, probably doesn't, hurt that they're down south here one's in orlando and others in alabama i believe so um you know things are opening up and uh things will get back to normal although for a while there it seemed like it was never gonna end yeah it, it did become like a you know unfortunately a uh, negative part of life for the last year and it did you know it book uh it backed up you guys's album for a for quite a long time as well it did. It did. So it still came out during this whole mess. And, you know, uh, we're good for an album every three or four years now. So we feel, feel that's 
people are usually ready. And it just, this was weird this time around, not being able to go out and support it and play those songs live. But uh, we're looking forward to when we do get back to touring to be able to add a few um, songs that um, nobody's heard live yet. So yeah. from the new record. Yeah. So um, how has that, how, how has the reception of the new record been since it did come out in the pandemic or, you know, in, in, in such, but so late in the pandemic as well, like, how does that did that affect the reception, or do you think it hindered it or or boosted it? I think probably because you're not out there going to support the album, so it's we, we don't have anything to. It's not like this has happened before, so we don't have anything to measure it up against. You know what I mean? So, um, the reception's always going to be great from the Hatebreed fan base. You know, we don't stray too far from what brought them there in the first place. Um, I think that you, when you buy a hate breed record, you know that what you're going to get for the most part, it's not like we're going to make a bunch of ballads and, and be something that we're not. So, um, you know, it's just, again, goes back to me saying that it's good to have new music out and, you know, the reception has been good and we just want to be able to play the songs live again. Yeah. And you know, if, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the first time. For the first time. Correct. And you guys are slated for like uh, Rebel Rock and Furnace Fest, and those, those were the festivals I think you mentioned, Orlando and Alabama. Yeah, so. and then Aftershock I think is after that, or maybe. So, yeah. well, we're going to slowly get back into it and see how it works out. You know what I mean? Um, but as we kind of kind of have already seen, things have been open for quite some time in our area of the world, so it should go fairly decently, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you know, baby steps, right? Is mm-hmm. that what we're doing now? So, you know, I I still think we're a long way from Washington stage diving in every, in every state in America. So, um, but, you know, baby steps and we'll get there. So, yeah, we'll get there. Um, so you weren't one of the original members for uh, Hatebreed, but you did come in, you know, many, 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 many years ago. What is one of the things, because you already kind of touched base on, like, you know, Hatebreed fans know kind of what Hatebreed kind of brings to the table and the sound they're going to be getting. But the band itself has kind of like eclipsed the hardcore scene for a little, you know what I mean? They became such a broader band uh, playing to like such a bigger crowd. What are some of the things that kind of like pushed the band in that direction, so to speak? Like when, like Ozfest, like early, I remember early Ozfests and stuff like that. I felt like a, not a change, but like a, a fan base change. I I think, a lot of things. There's a lot of things that made it so Hatebreed kind of broke out of the, you know, because nowadays you have bands that come from the hardcore scene and they get success. Now you have bands on up and coming, like, or, or who've already broken are doing it, but you know, you have your code oranges and you're not loose. Now they're, they're, they're doing things and they kind of broke out of that scene and they're playing with um, bigger bands and touring with bigger bands and, and selling records and stuff. But I think that, Hardcore wise, out of the basements of America, Hatebreed was one of the early ones. So, that, and you're talking about different times. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the Tattoo the Earth Festival was a big break for Hatebreed. Um, certainly, Jamie hosting Headbangers Ball was a big deal, and him getting able to, you know, we had one of our own um, at MTV playing videos of bands that were, you know, some mainstream stuff, but I mean, a lot of bands that we're on the second stage of like an OSS, like you said. So um, I think Jamie getting sober was a big thing that, that, that helped um, <laughs> selling a hundred over. I think the first band on victory records sell over a hundred thousand records. Um, the triple X soundtrack was huge um, with, I will be heard for the band. There was a lot of things that played a part in um, hate breed kind of becoming, um, taking us to the next level. Yeah. And you were uh, at that time. You were kind of doing things with Ringworm, you know, and uh, when they when they when the band was just starting off. But uh, you kind of left that that position in that band and transitioned over into Hatebreed. Um, and subsequently, kind of, you know, your the band that you previously were in kind of disbanded. Do you think you leaving had something to do with that, or is that just kind of like a natural course for that for like bands? Well, I mean, the the bands that I played in. Um, early on fresh out of high school long before integrity or before uh hatebreed were integrity and ringworm you know and 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 when and when hatebreed formed they they were fans of these bands so that's how i had a relationship with these guys because 
we actually even did a split record back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. Integrity and Hate Breed. So that's how everybody was always like, oh, you, you were originally a Cleveland guy. How'd you end up with these guys in Connecticut, you know? So, um, and those bands are still playing and doing well. And Terror, you know, who I was in from 2004 until 2006 when I joined Hate Breed, obviously, um, is a, a successful, band, successful band on their own and they're doing things like that. So it's all a network and a community. And I, I've had a long relationship with these guys and, um, it's funny because, you know, we still play shows with all of these bands. Now, right. Some of which we take on tour. So, um, and, you know, there was a time when, when I was in these other bands and Hatebreed was taking us on tour. So um, it's all relative. It's all community. It's all friends. Call it what you want. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's funny how it all ended up like this. And, um, you know, all the, all those bands are still doing things and putting out records touring. And I still see all those people. Yeah. And a couple of those older, uh, hardcore bands made some, made some waves in the news this past week. Uh, Madball's playing Tampa soon, right? You're, you're located in Tampa and Madball. I'm at, I'm actually over on the space coast. So okay. they're playing in Mel, they're playing in Melbourne, which is five minutes from where I live. So, um, they're over here actually too. So they're playing this week or they're playing in a couple of weeks um, over on my coast. And I know they're playing over on the West coast of Tampa as well. So cool. Yeah. And they just uh, got a little, a little heat for doing that New York city park show, but uh, it was cool to see them have a show and, you know, see the fans, you know, support, but obviously it's a touchy subject in general with it being in New York and with everything going on up there. But, you know, interesting. Yeah, I was surprised to see, um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it, it's right or wrong, but um, it was just surprising to see um, a show like that. You would think something like that, you would see like down here or like in Texas or something mm-hmm. like where it's a little more uh, lax than in New York City. So it was shocking. There was a huge amount of people there, um, you know, for, you know, whether, whether it was, you know, wrong or right, but, um, you know, they're out there doing it and they're making it happen and, you know, if people want to go and, and do that's something they can go do because the shows are going on and, and you know, people are, are wanting to, if that's something that it's not like it, there's no option. There is an option. You can go if you want. You don't have to go if you don't want to. So, yeah, that's kind of how I approach it too. If consume at your own risk, I'll say that for sure. Um, and you know, it, what did they just, they just, they're, they're opening New York wide open here soon. Right. Or they did, or I have no idea. To be honest with you, I kind of just kind okay. of blank out with all the the news every day. Every day, I just kind of like pick it up okay. in bits here. Or there. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. So. Um, so, like we were talking about earlier, you weren't an original member with Hatebreed, but you you know you were in bands that influenced influenced Hatebreed. What album got your attention? Uh, you know, being in other bands. What what was the previous? hate read album that you know really grabbed your attention to notice the band well the first record kind of really respawned my interest in hardcore again because um you know i was really into it in the 80s and then when the band started to change and and the late 80s hit and emo came in and some bands felt the need to show you how good they could play their instruments and things like that (laughs) um i kind of got disinterested in it and bam this first wave of earache bands hits uh, bull thrower and carcass and, and napalm death and all that stuff. And, um, I really loved it. And, uh, you know, fast forward to the mid nineties now and, and Hatebreed puts out their first record and, um, it had a lot of elements of bolt thrower meets agnostic front almost, you know, because here we are tuned down to C and we're have these deeper vocals, but yet we've got these fast minute and a half, two minute songs and, and breakdowns and stuff. So it kind of caught my attention again. And I really think that, you know, speaking as somebody, you know, not sounding too much too crazy because I wasn't a part of the band then or whatever, but I, that's one of the best hardcore records ever made. Agreed. Satisfaction, satisfaction is death of desire. And, um, you know, it's just, I think it's a, it's, I'm glad we still play a lot of songs off that record in the set. And I think it's from beginning on, it's solid. So it really would, really what caught my attention with that band and then you know the friendship and then to watch them 
signed to Universal and put up Perseverance and and watch the band grow and and be friends with these guys through all of it. It's like it's like almost was like a part of it. You know, when I joined Avery, everybody's like, "What's it like to be an Avery?" And I was like, "Really, honestly, like it's the only difference is when they go up on stage, I go up with them now to play." <laughs> Because the the relationship with them was yeah. was so there were no auditions really. I mean, they called me and said, "Are you ready to be in the band? We've been talking about it for years." And we want to become a five piece again because there were a four piece there. And um, so, you know, uh, to watch them grow and to, to those records. I mean, it, that first record grabbed me right up, right out of the gate, and kind of was a breath of fresh air for our tour team for me. Yeah, that one. Uh- Satisfaction and perseverance were like paramount in my early years because I was in high school, like just getting into high school and satisfaction came out. And I think, I don't know, a year or so after it came out, me or my my friend group got got our hands on it. And then perseverance just kind of cemented the whole like hate breed situation for me. But um, so when you came into the band, did you kind of want to bring more of that? reinvited you know uh, not reinvited but reinvigorated uh love for hardcore because it's like like you said satisfaction kind of like got your attention back into hardcore like did you want to you know bring that with the hate breed self-titled album at all well i mean i joined in 06 and that and then Sean left and Wayne came back into the band and was an original member. So, you know, talking about hardcore and all that, another thing I really enjoyed about Hatebreed is they were doing different things. You know what I mean? There's guys in the hardcore bands playing Gibson Explorers. You don't see that ever. You know, these mm-hmm. guys are like play, opening for Sepultura and they're, you know, now and they're playing like, you know, uh, and the, the, the band shirts they're wearing on stage are like Johnny Cash before that was popular and all that stuff and 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 that's back before people were really covered in tattoos and and sean and bd are out there with the hand and neck tattoos and stuff and you know there was just something about it aside from just the music that was like all right this is a little different you know these guys aren't afraid to to venture you know at least with the the look and the equipment they're playing and the production and all that to be you know, something that's a little different than just your standard hardcore stuff, but it's still at the end of the day, it's still a hardcore band. So I like, I like things like that, you know, changing it up without changing it up. And that's kind of what we do when we put out our records, you know, we change it up a little bit without changing it up. Um, you know, certainly if you listen to our last record and satisfaction is a death of desire, they sound a lot different. It's different times, different productions. There's a little different things we're doing now and things like that. But then at the, in, in hindsight, people would say every April record sounds the same. They don't change anything. So there you go. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds, I guess you could call it. <laughs> I always said I never wanted to go and buy an ACDC or Motorhead record and not have it sound like ACDC or Motorhead. So True. Yeah, yeah. If, there, it's not, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, there are a lot of bands that find their groove and just kind of submit that groove and just keep riding sure. it. Because- well, especially coming up and watching a few bands try to drastically do something at the end of their career, you know? Yeah, true. And, you, you, you live and learn. And in a in a small kind of genre such as like heavy music is in general, the bands that seem to kind of, uh, you know, stay around are those kind of bands that don't defer from their main sound for the most part. They yeah. may, they may add sure. elements here or there, but you know, the tried and true guys that are 20 plus veterans are still kind of staying true to their sound and stuff. Well, and it's tough because, you know, how many bands that have been around since the nineties or eighties or whatever, I mean, that are still playing now, like you can't change the way records are made or production and all that stuff. It's going to sound different no matter what. And, and, and people, you know, as, and people age and things like that. I mean, you can try as much as you want to sound exactly like you did on that first record, but it's impossible to, to, you know, continue and, and, you know, um, you know, replicate that, but it, Hey, it is what it is. And, you know, we've got our bubble and we'll certainly expand the walls of that bubble without bursting that bubble. And, and that's hate in a nutshell when it comes to making records. Yeah. Like I said earlier, Hatebreed's been all, always kind of been one of those bands that has been able to like eclipse a fan base, you know, and grow their fan base. Like seeing them at Ozfest, because I mean, I saw them at smaller shows too, leading up to that time. But then when, when I saw them at Ozfest and they were like head, headlining 
the second stage or you know backing up uh, Black Light Black Label Society or something or Zach Wild. Um, yeah, you kind of started seeing like, oh, their fan base is going to become way different and way bigger because they're playing out to you know new metal kind of crowd, and the new metal crowd is also picking it up, and they're being introduced into like hardcore and another heavier you know more niche groups, I guess. So they've all, you guys, you guys have always been able to do that. And it's just been, yeah, it's fortunate because we can get on one of these big radio rock radio metal type festivals and be like the gnarliest band on it and still do well. For example, rebel rock coming up. I and mean, when we look at the builds for the weekend, it's, it's a lot of mainstream stuff and, you know, we're kind of one of the gnarlier bands on it, but then we'll go to the warp tour or we'll do, we would do mayhem fest or we would do, you know, Ozfest or something. It's 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 been one of my favorite things about it is that the band is universal, and the band. And we're not going to we're not going to grab all those people. You know, you have your purists. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna jump ship and 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 you know, but to be able to be put in front of those crowds and have that opportunity alone, um, and grab a, a few people that were, might be into some other things is a lot has a lot to do with the success of the band. Yeah. Do you find it as someone that's been around in this kind of scene for such a long period of time, whether it's writing or performing and bringing it on stage, do you, do you feel, do you find that it's harder to bring the intensity as like you used to when you were back in the day, whether it's writing records or performing on stage? Well, I think it's easier in the studio than it is live, but, um, the thing you have to realize is um, it's no secret that the band's been around for a long time and you feed off the energy of the crowd. Well, when the energy, well, when the crowd is now in their forties, they're not out there giving it like they, they used to do. So I think it's crucial for us to continue to still play with younger bands. I think Warp Tour was great for us because there's a lot of younger kids there. And I was really happy we were able to get on that before it ended. And, um, you know, just to play with the younger bands that still be in, you know, sandwiched between like maybe younger bands at the festival or whatever it is. So um, it makes that's real important. So um, obviously conjuring up energy to play is a lot harder now than it was when I was in my twenties, not even thinking about it, just going out there and doing it. But uh, especially when it's, you know, three in the afternoon in Las Vegas and it's 115 degrees outside and we're in all black. So, um, but you know, you, this is what you're known for the energy and the, you know, the pos- positivity and the reaction and stuff. So you kind of, you gotta, you gotta conjure that stuff up. Um, and then in the studio, you know, I, I feel like some of Jamie's most aggressive singing was on this last album. So, um, and that's all conjured up from, you know, life experiences, good or bad. Um, but, uh, that's what hate breed is. It's positive aggression and it has a message and, um, you know, people expect certain things from us. We have to continue to deliver those things. Yeah. I agree with the positive message. I think hate breed is one of the m- most positive, uh, bands that I've come across. Cause I've, like I said, I followed you guys for a long period of time, uh, long enough to have, been diehard, casual fan, diehard, casual fan, you know, ebb and flows as it goes because you guys have been around for so long. You know, you, you go through uh, stages of listening to certain heavy things here and there. So I always kind of touch base back on my roots. Um, what brought you kind of to Florida, Frank? You're, are you, you from here? Um, I, no, I'm from Ohio originally, Cleveland, um, but I spent a lot of time in my life down here. I was always coming in on vacation down here. Matter of fact, this is my second time living down here. Um, in the 80s, I lived in Gainesville for a couple of years, and uh, I moved back down probably about 12 years now. I've been down here again wow. this time around. So, spent a lot of time all over the state, and uh, I just love it here. I love everything that there is to offer here. I love the hot weather. I did 36 Cleveland winters. I don't want to do that ever again. Um, but for me, this is the place to be. I've been to every state. And with maybe the exception of Hawaii, there's no other place I'd rather live in. Who the hell could afford to live there? So yeah, right. I always tell people, I was like, I don't, I can't afford to live in Hawaii. So I live in Florida, you know, plus it would be a pain in the ass if I lived in Hawaii. It's already a pain in the ass because I'm in Florida and they're all, they're all up in the Northeast. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine if I was in the middle of the ocean. And so, 
um, <laughs> no, I love it here. I love it here, and uh, I have a great life down here. And uh, you know, I'm I'm happy, happy down here for sure. Yeah, that's cool. I was gonna ask if it's been difficult with you living there as, as being you know a member in a band with everyone else living up in a different area. But did you ever really live around the guys? No. Yeah. I went from Cleveland to Florida and I never went to Connecticut. And as, as technology keeps advancing and it's less and less time that I'm spending in Connecticut now. So I think it's common now for bands, especially ones that have been together for quite some time for people to live in different places. Matter of fact, um, the other guitar player in the band, Wayne is moving to California here shortly. So, um, and our drummer's in Poughkeepsie, New York. So he, you know, he's an hour and a half or an hour away or whatever it is, but he's not even in Connecticut either. So I think, and then there were two after Wayne leaves, so <laughs> Connecticut, original Connecticut people. So, But like I said, I think that now in this day and age, it's common to have people all over the place and with technology as far as recording. And, you know, when, when Hatebreed's doing like normal and it's not a pandemic, then our breaks are so short in between yeah. tours that we don't even need to rehearse. So there's no need for me to even go to Connecticut. I'll meet them in Europe or whatever wherever the tour is starting so um it hasn't been too much of a pain in the butt with me being down here yeah luckily so, luckily we have uh international you have a lot of international airports around you yes for sure and uh you know it's only if i need to get up there it's only a two-hour flight up to connecticut so um yeah, you guys play a lot of shows when you know when the industry is up and running how often uh how many days a year are you guys on the road well it's i would say on and off on a normal years and in, in the recent years before we shut down six months. But when I joined the band in 06, it was 250 to 300 shows a year. Yeah. I was going to, that's kind of what I was more expecting. Cause I always remember you remember the band being on tour. They were just always on tour. So I would only imagine that you guys kind of kept up the same pace. Cause that's kind of like the, the motif for the band, you know? Yeah, I just, we're not hitting like the Australias and the South Americas and, you know, those places as much as we were before, I don't think now. So um, it's pretty much Europe and America, maybe some Canada stuff, throwing in a couple of shows here and there. That's usually what it ends up being. So um, I think that's the reason. And it's kind of just overkill to be out there and do 300 some shows a year. Um, and if we can make it work doing this amount of shows, I mean, my trade off is being home basically on vacation in Florida the other six months of the year. So I'm not complaining about it, but when I was living in Cleveland and, you know, a, a lot younger and partying a lot more and coming home from tour to another party, I was single and then the weather sucks, man, just let me be on tour. I guess at that point for 10 months a year, you know, or nine months a year, wherever it was, you yeah. know, but now that I'm down here and I got married two years ago and, um, you know, we're older now, everybody in the band, I'll be 50 this year. So, um, I think that, you know, six months is, is it's pretty decent. Yeah. And you spread it out throughout the year. So it's not all at once, obviously. So it, it's sure. very, very manageable, you know? Yes. Um, so with, uh, the weight, uh, weight of false self, you guys wrote that and recorded it probably prior to the pandemic, right? You just kind of were sitting on it for most of the pandemic. Was that correct? Well, yeah, because we, what had happened with us is we were going to shut it down in like mid 2019 because the record, the last record, Concrete Professional, had been out for so long. And then we got offered this Dropkick Murphys and Clutch tour, which we love stuff like that because it's totally like, all right, this isn't our crowd, but <laughs> we need to go make it our, you know, we need to go make it our crowd. And that, that's the mentality before we hit the stage. So, um, obviously those are big shows and that's a very mixed bill. So that ran until October of 2019. So then we were like, okay, now we really got to stop because the record's been out even longer. It's time to make a new album. Well, had we know what was coming five or six months later, we would have milked the road for sure. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're one of the longest, we're one of the bands that's been away from the stage and probably one of the longest because we quit five or six months before the pandemic because mm -hmm. the album had been out. So, and then it was record and then the record got pushed back and then it came out months later and, you know, it's been a roller coaster. So, um, but that's pretty much our story. And uh, when we do get back to playing shows, I would imagine it's 
we'll have been close to two years since we played. So yeah, that's that's nuts, man. That's crazy to even think about. And I, I mean, unfortunately, the sad undertone for like every one of my podcasts this year has been, you know, COVID or the pandemic. And I'm sure everyone's, sure yeah, everyone's tired of hearing about it. But it is interesting to how it affects each band differently or each person differently. So. I apologize for bringing it up again, listeners and everybody else, but it is what it is. We're all living through it. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what? Not, not for nothing. It's something for us to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for you to, for you to do this, for me to do this and for the people to listen to it, it's something to do. But, um, you know, I, it's funny. I always think about like when I, we see, we, we like when we toured like bigger bands and stuff, they're like, yeah, we're like, what are you guys doing? I like, we're out on, on road open for like a, way bigger band than Hatebreed or the, what do you guys, you know, sometimes we'll ask, Hey, what are you guys doing after this? Well, we're taking a year off. And then we're like, we can never take a year off. First of all, we can't afford that. Yeah. Second of all, like we have to go play shows and stuff. So it's like, now I put that into perspective. Now I know what it feels like to be off for a year. And now I'm probably going to know what it feels like to be off for two years in a row. So um, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. And, you know, the funny thing, though, I, I, I was talking to the guys the other day and I was like, you know what? When we do start playing a couple shows, it'll be like three or four shows in probably, and it'll be like we never yeah. had that two-year break. I mean, maybe for the crowds, maybe for the venues, and but as far as the band's concerned and us and being up there playing on the stage, it's going to feel like we never even had that break probably just because. Did I lose you there? No, yeah, we got you back. Just because okay. what you said? Just because? Just 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 because um, we've been doing the band for so long. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to feel like a blink of an eye when in the grand scheme of everything. But sure, it's got to be this because you've been a road veteran for such a long. I don't want to keep saying such a long time, but you know, it is you. You've been in the scene for for many years. This has got to be like some of the craziest thing you know you've ever experienced on the road, or uh, not on the road, but in general. Well. I, I like it in the fact that I get ants. I get, I do, I probably do the second most interviews in the band besides Jamie. So yeah, the question people always ask, what's the craziest thing that's happened since you've been in the band? Now I finally have an answer for them. Yeah. The pandemic, because it's just, it's so hard to think of something like that. And a lot of those stuffs were, you know, a lot of that stuff, everybody was partying and things like that. Or there's so much crazy stuff that happens out on the road and, that you, some stuff people might not even think is crazy. You know, I'm, like, I'm like, that's well, that was nothing. As where somebody else might be horrified by something right, like right. that, or, you know, or whatever. So at least I have an answer now to that question, and um, it definitely. I mean, and, and it's you know, might not be the answer people will be looking for, but I mean, come on. I mean, think about what's going on in the world in the past, you know, year and a half now. It's it's completely crazy to, to that we when it's all said and done, we will have been alive during this. Yeah. that has happened you know this yeah. thing that's happened it'll be interesting how history will look back or how we'll all look back on it sure know, as it plays out but um what's one of the things obviously that you're looking for like you miss the most outside of uh playing live because obviously playing live would be a cop-out that's every band's favorite thing but like what's one of the thing that you miss from being in a band in regular times uh, i think I try to humble myself and, and when I start to think it's, it's, it's real easy for me to be home in Florida where I live and married now and, and have this house that I love and we live close to the beach and all this stuff um, to, to be like, ah, you know, it's everything becomes work. They say, no matter how awesome your job is that, but it's like, uh, I, this is a dream to do, to be able to, playing a band i mean when i was a young kid and i was six or seven years old and i found out about kiss and the who and things like this and i had a record collection i mean this is the shit we dreamed of so to be somebody that does that um i just look forward to living that life again and getting out there and hanging out and aside from the shows being around the guys joking we have a lot of fun together i love the road crew that works for us those guys are a riot I tend to stay up at night with those guys after they're done working and, and drinking stuff. And um, we have our road crew in Europe. I miss those guys a lot. Um, you know, the traveling and this and that. At this point, there's not really many places we haven't been to or haven't seen. So, but I think just being around the guys, joking, seeing other bands you're friends with at festivals is always a plus. You know, when you 
are in another country far away from home and you see all these people you know from back home and get to watch them play and and get to watch them do their thing because essentially i mean at the end of the day those people are really co-workers if you want to if you want to put it that way yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so um and the thing is you know we're just we're not normal people what we do for a living we leave our families and our kids and our pets and whatever it is and we're gone for months at a time and um and we're out there just to 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 make people forget about life for a while and bring a smile to their face, hopefully. And uh, when you see other people that you're friends with, you know, doing that same thing. And I get to watch, like, like if I go see a band play that I know, I, I know this guy, I met, met his family. I know that here he is out here in Europe with me. You know, it's just a, that common bond and all that. I think that's what, what, I, what I, another thing about it that I miss for sure, you know, is um, just, being around people that we know, whether it's my road crew or the other band guys or other bands. And, uh, you know, cause it's, it's, it's been, you know, like I said, it'll be a couple of years since that's happened. And if we don't end up doing any festivals like overseas or anything till next summer, I mean, you're talking about almost three years. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so we get to, um, experience that again. Um, and I'm a fan of music. I like to watch bands play and, uh, I get excited when we play Hellfest and things like that, which, I think it's the greatest festival and, uh, or, or grass pop or download or bloodstock and go see other bands. And, Oh, wow. We're playing the same day as these guys. I can't wait to go check it out. Whether I know the band or not. Mm -hmm. Um, that's another thing that I miss, you know, is, is that we're so lucky to be able to be playing a festival with 10 other bands that day or something or whatever it is that we like to be able to just go walk over on stage and watch them play, you know? Yeah. Do you, it sounds like you prefer the European festival scene to uh rather than the the american festival scene but i've never well, experienced those overseas festivals but they definitely from afar look very uh cool and attractive for sure they are huge they well, seem to be huge well you have to realize in america it was mayhem fest and 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 oz fest and warp tour it was the traveling festival Right. It was the the, the, the three day weekend thing didn't exist here, and now it's completely taken over. Now, how many three day festivals do you have in a, in, in America? Riot Fest, Psycho Las Vegas, Punk Rock Bowling, um, Rebel Rock, Welcome to Rockville. Um, there's tons of them now, and they're all like taking that blueprint of Europe and making a three day festival. Um, and camping and things like that. But the problem is they're not as inclusive over here with all the different genres as they are over there. You'll play a festival over there and you're playing with Napalm Death and Wu-Tang Clan, or you're playing with Aerosmith and Turbo Negro. You know what I mean? So it's like, it hasn't hit over here like that yet. Um, it's, I think the heavier ones are more like, like radio metal bands and stuff. Right, and that's right, great. Right, right. We love those bands. We play with them. We tour with them and that's great. And we'd love to get on the, the big festival and play shows with them. But I don't think that you've got these insane ones. I mean, uh, there's some, there's some that are starting to pop off. I really want to check out psycho Las Vegas. And, and I really wanted to go to that this year. And, um, merciful fate and blue oyster Cold are two of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and, um, just, I like the diversity. You know what I mean? Right. I, and then that, but it seems like the ones that we're playing over here are like, you know, and, and, and a lot of times they don't want hate breed on it because we're like the rowdy band. They don't want to bring right. that. You know, people still think that it's 25 years ago and there's going to be a riot when we play and all that stuff. It's like, you know, it's, it's no, it's, it's, it's a bunch of thousands of people in a parking lot. It can happen during any band. So <laughs> yeah, um, a lot, a lot of times they don't want that aspect. They don't want to put a bunch of like gnarlier, more um you know hardcore bands or, or or you know they just want to they want to play it safe and and have it be you know they want they don't want that element but yeah. you know like I, it just goes back to what i said i'm like look our fan base is 30s 40s i mean they're not getting that crazy anymore <laughs> no people are bringing their kids to our shows and stuff so which is cool is that like more of so, a would that be like an insurance liability thing over here in the states that they're more cautious as as of who they book because it seems like you know like like you said, it's way more inclusive over overseas with a wider array of heavier bands compared playing alongside 
other genres as well. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a thing or not. That would probably be a question for Jamie because he's way more embedded into the industry um, on things like that than I am. But um, I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, now who knows what's going to go on? I mean, a lot of clubs have closed and mm-hmm. insurance and policies and door deals and, and whatever, whatever is going to go on now. It's going to be a different world. You know, a lot of people just think, oh, shows are going to go on again. It's going to be normal. It's like, well, there's a lot of politics involved behind these shows and, um, you know, and, and as far as contracts and, you know, things like that. So uh, they just don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're a concert venue that's barely kept your doors open through all this, are you going to take that chance and throw all the money at the bands that you normally would when it starts opening? And what if, what if not everybody's safe? They don't want to come or, you know what I mean? Promoters losing money and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff to, to um, think about um, when it does get going um, again. Yeah. Well, hopefully they've had enough time to think about them, you know, to where they're, whomever is ready for that. Put a game plan together, right? Yeah, hopefully. Um, what are some of the things that have like, that, that stand out to you that's, that have changed for the better uh, within the hardcore scene? Whether it's, far- like, whether it's from like, you know, your perspective as like an artist or as a fan of the scene. Like just over the years, you mean? Yeah, like what's something that's because you've been a part of it for so long. Like what's something that stood out to you over the the whole time that you've been here? That's you know. Well, well I mean, I, I'm I'm an old fart that's going to complain about stuff sometimes, but <laughs> well, we'll get to that too. Um, so I just want to get your no, positive no, first. <laughs> I, in all in, in all seriousness and honesty, I think that it's. I try to explain to people, you know, when it was the '80s and I was getting into this kind of music and going to see. Celtic Frost and Slayer and, and, and Circle Jerks and all these bands, you know, and, um, it was a really, a, truly an underground back then. You had to dig to find this kind of music. You, it was, there was no Sirius XM. There was no YouTube. There was no internet. There was no magazines. There was Xerox copy fanzines. And we were sending each other, um, cassette tapes through the mail and we were using calling cards because there was no such thing as cell phones to talk to fans that had the same interest as we do, like on a, on a pay phone or like a house phone. And you would listen to college radio. And if you were lucky, you'd have uh, a couple shows during a week for a couple hours where he would play this kind of music. You really had to be digging and hardcore into music to find out about something like creator or something like and i'm talking about the 80s mm-hmm. well now it's all easy to find at the touch of your fingertips on your cell phone you can find this stuff you could go watch a band's videos on youtube i mean you these bands we worship growing up we don't we didn't know what they we didn't know what the hell they, they you know aside from the back of the record cover yeah. which we stared at for hours and read the lyric sheets and and and, and the the thanks list and study the crap out of while it's on the turntable. We don't know what these dudes look like. We don't know what a concert of theirs looks like. We've only seen pictures in a black and white Xerox magazine. So <laughs> I think that it's a lot more accessible now. And I think that it's grown and it's a lot more people that normally wouldn't be into that kind of thing are into that kind of thing because they can, um, you know, it's something that they can they can access super easy. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I feel that's better or it's worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, there's, there's definitely a positive and negative to that. Uh, positive, more people are going to get into the music easier, but negative to where like, like you're saying, like all the things that you just kind of mentioned, although albeit they are nostalgic in ways like reading the lyric sheets, reading the thanks sheets and finding out of bands and, finding out music that way. And, you know, you, you're in love with it more, I think, because you had to seek it out at such a, in, a, in, in such a unique path. Like, like you're saying, everything wasn't as accessible in the eighties and it got a little more accessible in the nineties. And it's obviously a lot more accessible now in anywhere do you look. But, uh, I do think that maybe more people will, you know, hear hard music and heavy music, but they may not, be as in love with it as older people may be. That may sound oh, weird, but there's more of a connection, I guess, why, like you're saying, holding the physical stuff in your hand and reading all that stuff and spending intimate time with that physical piece of thing 
media while listening to the album? Well, all of that and people and kids in general are way different now than they were growing up in the eighties, just because their attention span isn't there. Like it used to be, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a YouTube generation and, and compared to back then. And, um, you know, there's a lot more things to keep a young person entertained nowadays than there were back then. So I think maybe, you know, I mean, think about your average person that's young. I, I would imagine social media eats up a ton of their times. Or spending time on their phone eats up a ton of time, you know? Yeah. Um, when, when we were younger, we weren't. Sitting there and playing records takes up a ton of time. Or, or going and, and doing, riding BMX takes up a ton of time. It's just different, different times. I mean, you're talking about 40 years ago. So, or 35 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it is. So, um, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, but you know, I get a kick out of some old record that I can't find on vinyl anymore, but there it is on Spotify. It's like, holy crap. You know what I mean? So that's a good thing. You yeah. know, um, if I, if I'm out and about and I'm playing my Bluetooth or I'm in the, in the car, I want to hear something without digging through my thousands of records and, and, and flipping, opening them up and flipping vinyl over it, It's, it's, that's a plus for sure. Without a doubt. So, um, you know, that's one of the major things I think that's different now. Um, but you know, it's cool that, uh, it's more of an option for kids to get into this kind of stuff. Cause I, you know, when we were younger, I think that not that punk rock and like, you know, thrash metal and stuff was ever mainstream, but I think it was, it was kind of closer to mainstream because rock and metal were so much bigger in the eighties with MTV. Every other video was like Def Leppard and quiet riot or like, you know, uh, you know, rotating with like Cindy Lauper and wham or whatever yeah. it was. So, you know what I mean? So, but now it's R and B and country and hip hop in America. And that's it. Yeah. And pop and pop and pop is And pop has influenced all that though. Pop has influenced the, the country and the hip hop and stuff. So, um, at least with, you know, music being so accessible, like hardcore music and underground music like that, at least there's something else easy for people to find other than that stuff. Right. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, hey, if you listen to that stuff, you can, there's a few of those bands I like. And, um, but if they wanted to find something else, it's not as hard for them to find something else. Agreed. Uh, and I do want to give, I guess, Jamie a little nod. He was one of the last people on MTV to really play heavy music and uh and music that wasn't necessarily like mainstream sure yeah without a doubt and now what is mtv i mean ridiculousness <laughs> that's it right that's, that's it. it that's all that's all they play they don't, like when was the last time they consistently had music on what uh, that's year? what i'm saying that's what i'm saying probably jamie jamie was probably part of that last wave and then yeah and i really and i really and a shout out to don and um and to Eddie and them, um, because that metal show was awesome. And I was surprised it was able to last as long as it did. And, you know, they had Jamie on a couple times and, uh, you know, I've done their podcasts and stuff and they're super cool guys and, uh, shout out to them because that metal show was awesome. Um, and even though they didn't, they, they might not have gotten super underground and stuff like that. They had a lot of cool guests on and, and that thing had a good run. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a good time and unfortunate. I mean, it was, a- there was a little cool factor that, uh, you know, Headbangers Ball came on like after midnight or around midnight or whatever. It was always like, you know, staying up late to watch, uh, yes. to watch the show. So that was kind of cool. Gave it that like dark and dirty allure, you know? Yeah. I speak with Ricky Rackman sometimes cause he's <laughs> a, he's a, he's a race fan and, and, and I am too. Um, um, you know, he's into NASCAR and stuff like that and flat track racing and stuff. So I'm speaking with him sometime and obviously Jamie, but Adam Curry, where is he at now? I don't know. I'm not sure. He, Cause he was, he was the original, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know. No, uh, Matt, Matt Penfield was also on uh headbangers ball for a while. Oh, he was. That's right. Yeah. And then he did the farm club thing. I think there was like a farm club, like, um, uh, okay. Yeah. I remember that. Kind of like a rap and rock mix up kind yeah, I of think thing. I, I think Amira was on there once or something. 
I know those kids because oh, kids. Well, they're we're grown men now, but uh, they they grew up in Cleveland like I did. And we would play shows together, and they were in other bands before Camira. So I I've known them. As a matter of fact, uh, Matt who was in Camira was in Ringworm with me for some time. Yep. So some fun facts right there. Yeah, Camira was a cool band that I I they I found them early on too. Uh, Pass out of existence. Is that the album? The blue one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first one on Roadrunner. That. That was uh, my initial glimpse into them, and then you know they did that. Yeah, whole people thing. enjoyed that band for sure. Yeah, it was a good band. Uh, speaking of Rays, uh, yeah, man, you you got the hat on. Kudos to that. I like that. I didn't know Ricky was a Rays fan as well, but that's interesting. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I think you misheard me. But race, like oh, uh, race, NASCAR. Fan. Okay, yeah, yeah. he's he's a big race car guy. But um, speaking about the Rays, like um, I don't pretty into sports um watching sports when i'm home and things like that and i could care less about brady and the bucks or or you know i'm not a big I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a big hockey guy if i was i would probably float towards the lightning but i'm definitely a tampa bay Rays fan and uh i'm a definitely a gators florida gators fan i did like i said i live not to eat not to not to uh to date myself, but when I lived in Gainesville, Emmett Smith was the running back for the Florida. <laughs> so yeah. I'm showing my age for yeah. sure now, but yeah. um, no, I, it's just uh, the Rays are a fun team. They don't have a big fan base. They certainly don't have the money yet. They are in the World Series last year. They were in the World Series, um, you know, in the late 2000s, and, and they, they def- certainly and, they, the- and they've definitely been in the playoffs a handful of times in the last handful of years too. And they've sure. And know. they just make it exciting. We're, we're struggling a little bit. We're sitting around 500 this year. I watch the games every night, but, um, you know, I just Tropicana feels all of two and a half hours from where I live. So I don't get to games as much as I'd like to, but, um, you know, it's something else to do when I'm home from, uh, from, uh, only problem is they're on the West coast now. And I, it's one o'clock in the morning, man, I'm sleeping on the couch. I can't make it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, just another cool thing about living down here. When I do get over there, it's nice to go to games, the ballpark school, cause it's, uh, indoor and it's doesn't matter how hot it is outside or how much thunderstorms we have, which we have tons of down here. Yeah. Um, and it's like, um, it's always 72 degrees in that bad boy. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a game in there. And I just hear the boom outside from the lightning and the thunder, oh, yeah. but, uh, um, you know, it's 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 a fun team to watch, and uh, you know, it's just a shame that when you go to Yankees and Red Sox games over there, there's more Yankees and Red Sox fans there than there are Rays. And I'm not exaggerating. At all. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, coming from uh, yeah, you can. I, I'll I'll vouch for you on that. I lived in Tampa for a number of years, and that's why, like I said, I got wrapped up in them. And uh, yeah, when the Yankees come to town, it's the Yankees home. They have a. It's like basically their home stadium there. Uh, but they also oh, yeah. do, they, they they play spring ball in Tampa. So sure. you know, and like every other New Yorker that ages wants to come to Florida. So there's a lot of transplanting going on. Yeah. I mean, the whole yeah. team moves but down I, there. In also, I think when, when other bands are when other when bands when other teams <laughs> over there, even like even like the Indians and the Twins and the Tigers, because I feel like and a lot of people don't know this, but like one of the one of the things I've noticed living down here is. On the east coast of Florida, which runs along I-95 and the Atlantic Ocean, you've got these people that come down here and retire or move because they don't want to pay the crazy tax or whatever. And they all come from New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, mm-hmm. Rhode Island, Boston, because they want to stay on the eastern seaboard and they want to stay on I-95. That's where you go to the other coast of Florida, and it runs along I-75. So they all come down from Ohio and, yeah. Michigan, <laughs> and Illinois. You have a lot more people from those parts of the United States on that coast. Um, so even when you have the, some of these Midwest teams coming into town, um, interleague play with the, the Cardinals, I went to a game once and it was like, my God, the whole stadium was red. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's everybody's cheering. You know, it's kind of disheartening. You feel bad for the team. Well, I mean, I think the team probably knows it because uh, they're, they're relatively new in baseball too. You know, they haven't been around. 50 years I mean, or so. 1998. They, I know, not, but, you know, they're small market, I guess you want to call it. <laughs> well, sure, for sure. Well, you know, it's a shame because I think the two lowest attendance teams in baseball are the Marlins and the Rays. Yeah. I think people just are not – they just don't follow the, 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 the baseball teams down here. They follow the teams of where they've moved from, yet the Buccaneers games are packed, the, the Orlando Magic draws um, – 
I don't understand that because the last 10 years have just been hard. I'm an Orlando Magic fan. I'm a Magic fan, Gators fan, and a Rays fan. Okay. So uh, we share some of the same teams, but I don't understand the Magic draw. I get so upset by the Magic right now. Yeah, it's. I think basketball is one of those things where you've got three or four teams that have a chance of winning it every year, and that's it. Yeah, you're but right. I think right. a, lot of, a, a lot of sports have became like that now. Yeah. So, um, but that's why that's it, why the yeah, Rays make it interesting. That's why it's so interesting with the Rays. And it's uh, low income, sure, it's low income baseball. And I also I just got done doing a podcast with JB, the guitar player for uh, August Burns Red, and he is a big baseball fan too. So apologies because okay. we're doing we're talking about baseball again on another episode. But he elaborated that he thought it was really cool that the Rays, the way the Rays like handle their pitching and the way they approach the game and stuff like that. He was very respectful about it. And I was like, that's probably why I enjoy because I didn't get into baseball until I moved down there and I got wrapped up in it. I played it as a kid, but I never paid attention to like sure. major league, but it was very, uh, it's so interesting. So interesting. Like, you know, any, like, we watch the Rays, so it's like you know people ask like, "Why are you into the Rays?" It's like that's why I guess they're just yeah, I know. I mean, it's, and you know they haven't. It's the farm system's incredible, so they're always getting players, and you know they make it work with what money they have. But um, you know, I'll go to I, I spent some time down at Port Charlotte, which is where they spring train. I would go to those games, and even go to the there was a Florida State League, which is like single A. Mm-hmm. For the race, the stone crabs would play down there, and we had the manatees over here by where I live. And uh, it's like single A for a lot of these um, major league teams, but um, even those have kind of gone away now, so those teams don't exist anymore. But uh, to watch, you know, uh, I think what are the other farm teams sort of raised the Montgomery Biscuits, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Durham Bowls, and stuff to see some of these players come out of those systems and excel in, in baseball is a lot of fun. Um, Comparable to the NFL draft, I guess, which just happened this past weekend in my old old hometown of Cleveland. Yeah, it looked very dreary that night. <laughs> did you watch? I mean, it, did you watch the uh, it, coverage? Well, Cleveland this time of year will be seventy five and sunny, and then it'll snow tomorrow. So, it was, you know, they uh, get snow in May up there sometimes. It's now you know why I'm down here. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was just cool. I, I I have a friend that works for the Browns, and he told me, you know. It was great, great for the city. People were here for two, three weeks and, you know, big headache for us. But as far as the fans are concerned and, and for the city, it, it, it did good. So that's good. Yeah, man. Well, uh, that is, that's cool that they had the draft there. It's very cool that my team got the number one pick and hopefully it will drag us out of the muck that we've been in for the last 28 years. So, you know. You're Jags? I'm a Jag fan, yeah. And Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence went to Jaguars, right? Yeah. We also yeah, got we also I got mean, Urban. I, we also got Urban Meyer he, as a coach. He, you know? He's not in the SEC, so I can cheer for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. He, he, you know, he, you know, but uh, anymore, anyhow, but um, you know, um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm cheering for the kid. I, I think I think it'll. I hope hopefully it works out. But you never know. I mean, a lot of these. A lot of these hot shots in college, it just doesn't work out in the pros. Yeah, I look agree. at all these. Sure, I mean, look at all these quarterbacks the Browns went through over the years: Manziel and Brady Quinn and all this stuff, and just, um, you know, now they got Baker and they seem to be doing okay finally. So, yeah, you guys did get a lot of uh, earlier quarterbacks. Well, I'm a Broncos fan, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm saying you guys as like Cleveland-based people, yeah, Cleveland-based yeah. team fans. Yeah, now, I've been a Broncos fan since the days of Elway. <laughs> and uh, pretty much, since, pretty much since Elway and Manning, we have had about 500 quarterbacks, and they're all terrible. So, yeah, yeah. and it really shocked the crap out of me right before the draft that they got Teddy Bridgewater. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's been the, it's been a lot of shakeups in the quarterback uh, quarterback position the last year or two in the NFL. It's been crazy, and now Aaron Rodgers yeah. doesn't want to play for Green Bay. It's even more I saw crazy. that. That's insane. Yeah, a lot of a lot of my childhood is just falling apart. You know what I mean? All, all the stuff well, that I, I used I, to know. I got to say, like, when the playoffs and the season started, I didn't think that the Bucks were going to be there. And then not only did they go, they won it. And I was like, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, I just can't stand, I couldn't stand the Patriots because I, I will say this I, I do appreciate drunk Brady throwing the trophy from boat to boat more than I appreciate, you know, Belichick 
Brady Patriots. So yeah, I do think that's probably my favorite image of. I think those are my favorite images of him. Him him doing that, and then him being escorted uh, by the third string quarterback. You know, he's grabbed him and yeah, trying yeah. to get him away from the press. That was that's my favorite image uh, of Tom because you can clearly tell Tom doesn't give a fuck. He's got a fistful plus of rings at this point, and no one can tell him anything. <laughs> And you know we love this one because he's show, you know he he got to show the world he could do it without Belichick. So and oh, then, yeah, you know Belichick didn't make the playoffs and they're just a mess over there with Cam Newton. Yeah, and then uh, you know no one called other than the Bucks. The Bucks are the only one that called for for uh, Tom. So crazy know, that that is crazy. But hopefully uh, it's a one and done situation and Tom can like retire soon. It'd be great. <laughs> oh, man, you know he's going to come back and oh, win probably. Probably another five years or something. You never know. My God, that guy, he's play, he plays like he's 25. I will say that, man. I can't stand him, but it's like you can't believe that that guy's age he is and he's out there playing at that level. No, I know. And the same, I mean, I would, I'd said the same with Manning, too. I, I hated Manning for a long time because obviously he was an Indian, Indianapolis Colts yep. uh, quarterback and he kind of just like, you know, bitch slapped the Jaguars many times. But, you know, I, I Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were. I hated them for so long, but then as you grow older, you're just like, damn, they, they're just that good though, too. Yeah. At some point you have to give them respect, I guess. Right. Eh, yeah, I guess. But anyway, Frank, it's been great having you on the show, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, I think we're going to be there. Uh, well, I don't think, but I'm definitely going to be there in Alabama. So, uh, um, oh, cool. yeah, hopefully, uh, we can, uh, link up then. And, uh, it'll be great to see live music again. And I haven't seen hate reading in a number of years. So it'd be, it's going to be an awesome time. Is there anything else you want to kind of shout out? Uh, any other band, any other personal project, any other kind of situation that you kind of want to let the people know about? Well, I have my own hot sauce out that I for the last year now that I really can't say enough good things about. Uh, the people at Hella Hot Hot Sauce that have made that happen. And he's up in Northern California, and um, he works with bands, and he does a – there's a Guar-themed one, and there was a – that band ghoul and uh i think zetro from exodus is going to have one out with them now so um i've been i cook i love to cook i do all the cooking in my house and uh i you know i do a lot of grilling outside or cooking in the house so i just uh this is kind of like an extension of that and i'm finally you know happy to have that out if anybody's interested in me you can follow me on my social media it's florida frank real easy um and then the link is in my profiles but um other than that um Try to be nice to each other. Yeah, you know, man. this thing's all, this thing's almost over, and uh, it's just nasty out there. And uh, hopefully, uh, once this thing ends, we can get back to a little bit of normalcy. And uh, you know, hopefully, things won't be so divided. So uh, hopefully, uh, us playing shows and getting back out there and doing what we do will help that. Hopefully, as well. I agree. Hopefully, uh, everyone can remain cool, calm, and collected, and just treat everyone nice. And let's uh, let's get back out to. Live entertainment, guys. For sure. Thank you for the interview. And uh, I'll see you in Alabama or maybe at a Rays game. No, dude. Yeah. Now that I know you cook, uh, we're going to have to have you back on because I love to cook as well. And we can talk cooking and Rays because they'll win the World Series this year, you know. So we'll hopefully a year from now we'll touch base on the how we enjoyed them winning instead of almost winning. And then, yeah, I mean, I look <laughs> forward to seeing you at, uh, at uh, Birmingham. Great. I'd love to come back. Thanks for the interview. No problem, man. Thanks, man. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.